Can we just appreciate Hannah? I know that that was hard for her to do. Well, good morning, everybody joining us here in our Canandaigua campus and all of our friends and extended family joining us online. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Betty and I are so excited to be kicking off the new Connected series this morning. And, um, I, you know, I love the way uh, Vanessa said it this morning that it's spiritual moms, adopted moms, stepmoms, any female who has poured into the life of the next generation, that is who we are talking to this morning, but men, listen up. Just because it's Mother's Day does not mean you get to tune out, I'm sorry. This message is just as much for you as it is for the ladies in the room because not only do you pour into our next generation, but more importantly, you pour into the women who pour into our next generation. So I hope you will stick with me this morning. So as I prepared this morning, I uh, went to Facebook, which is you know the authority on all things, um, and I asked some of my friends to complete the sentence, motherhood is. And there were so many great sentences, so many great responses, but I picked a few just to share this morning. Motherhood is loving a child unconditionally. Motherhood is a commitment to selflessness. Motherhood is a lifetime adventure with an ever-changing rule book. Can I get an amen to that? Right? Motherhood is messy. I love that one because it's physically messy, but it's also emotionally messy. Motherhood is not for sissies. So I think about with that one, I think about the women who voluntarily pour into other people's children. It takes a strong woman to do that. My personal favorite is going to be up on the slide here, and this is what it says. It says, motherhood is a true responsibility to nurture and love children, to guide them in this life and help them to find their talents and realize their goals to support them through challenging times and celebrate their successes. It is a wonderful journey not to be taken lightly. So those are the words I couldn't have said better myself. Those are Gail Wilder's words. And Gail Wilder is my mom. I'm going to cry. She's sitting here this morning. But what I love, it's almost as if she saw our sermon notes because she captured so perfectly what Betty and I are going to share this morning. Notice she said, though, in her definition, she didn't say um, nurture her children. She said, nurture children. And I read that to mean all children. My mom was a professor by trade, so she spent decades pouring into the next generation. She was also a Girl Scout troop leader, and so she made the decision to pour into young girls. She did it because she wanted to. She then went on to say, motherhood is to help them find their talents and realize their goals. Betty's going to talk this morning about spiritual gifts and how we can help our children identify their spiritual gifts and then use them to carry the message of God forward. She mentioned challenges and successes and firsts. I'll tell you that I didn't always take the right path in life, many, many challenges, and my mom was there to pick me up every step of the way, and my mom sits here this morning to celebrate my path into ministry. She's there for all of it. She finished by saying it's not to be taken lightly, and that reminds me that our words and our actions, they matter. They matter. Now, let me say, um, I've been a mom for some 28 years, and I do not have it all figured out. And if you do, come and talk to me afterwards, because I would like to know, okay? But I'm still learning and growing into the kind of, God that de or the kind of mom that God desires me to be. Each of my three children, different from birth, they all require different approaches to raising them. And I'm also so incredibly thankful that God has brought adult 
stepchildren into my life that I get to pour into and model God's love to. But all of them have had other women pour into them, teachers, coaches, mentors, small group leaders, spiritual moms, stepmoms. And so to every single one of you, I say thank you. So I do want to pause. Let's just applaud all of the women who have poured into the next generation. I know you wanted me to do that at the beginning, but I had a moment there, so we waited. And so you've heard the the phrase, uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise up a child. And that's what we're looking at today. So here at Crosswinds, maybe you've heard this, our mission is to know God and make him known. And we are called to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I love how Craig talks about it every single weekend. Our weekend gatherings are local mission conferences, right? We gather so that we can scatter. And what we're talking about today is how when we scatter, how that affects the next generation. So this morning, Hannah, thank thank you, Hannah, she read the passage that we're going to unpack out of Deuteronomy. And I want to tell you, Hannah, so Hannah's graduating high school this year. She's heading off to Fredonia in the fall. And Hannah and about eight other graduating seniors have been a part of my life the the last many years because I've had the privilege to lead their small group on a Wednesday night at student ministry. They, I only hope that I've planted some seeds in their life just as they have in mine. And I've had a front row seat to see them grow and mature into some beautiful young women. So thank you, ladies. I love you guys. So Hannah read Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 23, and that's what we're looking at today. And these are Moses' words. So very late in his life, Moses' words, and he's speaking to the Israelites. Now, this is after they've been freed, right? And he's speaking into them. I did that during first service. I'm so sorry. He's speaking into them, and he's reminding them that they need to be obedient to God's law. And in this whole account, he's talking about what will happen if they are obedient and what's going to happen if they're not. And I won't go into all of those details, but um, basically, this is what it says in verse 18. It says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Lay these words of mine in your heart and soul, he says. But what words? What words is Moses talking about? To know, we have to go back and look at the first part of chapter 11. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the first seven verses, but he declares in verse 1, he says, you must love the Lord and always obey his commands. The commands he's talking about are to love God and love others. Because scripture teaches us that all other commands are based on those first two. And then in verse 2, he tells them that it's up to them to share God with the next generation. It's up to them to tell the next generation what God has done. He says, I am not talking now to your children. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed. So they had these experiences, right, as, as they were being led out of captivity. They saw the Egyptian army get swallowed up by the Red Sea. They thought, you know, they escaped that certain death, and they saw God perform those miracles. But their children didn't. They didn't see these things. You know, I, I think about things in my own life that my kids have not experienced. And I, I go all the way back to 1998 when this thing called Google was invented. Our children will never know a day when they couldn't just pull out their smartphone and Google something. They will never know life without the internet. They will never know life without a cell phone, without social media. I, I was thinking back, you know, when I was a kid and I had like really exciting news to share with my best friend. I would go to the phone in the kitchen, and I'd pick it up, and I'd dial her number, and it would take five minutes because it was a rotary phone, right? And then I'd take the phone, and I'd run through the house, and 
not because it was cordless, but because the cord was like a mile long. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I'd finish dialing, and then I'd get a busy signal. Our kids will never know a busy signal. I remember when call waiting was like brand new, and that was like super exciting. Now, hopefully you, you kind of get the gist of what I'm saying there. And we know that Google and smartphones, they're not God's miracles, but hopefully that illustrates my point. So if we bring it back now to our faith, our children are not going to know the things of God unless we share it with them. So if there's one thing I say this morning that I hope you remember, it is this. It is up to us to share God with the next generation. I think about my kids again, and unless I'm introducing God into their lives, how will they know? Unless I'm giving them opportunities for other people to pour into them, how will they know? How will they know about sin? How will they know about God's grace, his love? And how will they know that they're wired to spend eternity with him in heaven unless I share it with them? When I was a young single mom raising my daughter, I wasn't pursuing the things of God. It was a tough path, and I made a lot of mistakes. My biggest regret was that I wasn't pursuing the things of God, and I didn't introduce God to her so that she would know that she has a Father in heaven who loves her. And what I've learned over the years is that we need to be intentional in planting seeds in the lives of the next generation, and then we need to step back and allow others to water those seeds so that they grow and mature in their faith. Our mission in the lives of our children is to know God and make him known. Now, if we go back to the verse 18, it continues on and it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Please tell me I'm not the only one who did not know what a frontlet was because I did not know and I had to look it up. I Googled it, okay? Um, confession time. Oh, so, so basically what they are is they're these little black leather boxes, okay? And they literally, the Jewish people would strap them to their forehead in a very particular position, and then there would be this leather strap bound up their arm, and they would have another box on their arm. And these frontlets would have little parchment paper. I need to not move, I guess. Little parchment paper with scripture written on them. And they would wear these as a reminder to be obedient to God throughout everyday life. And while we don't wear frontlets today, we do have an obligation to, to bind God's word to our hearts and to our minds. So he reminds us, Moses reminds us, that we are called to keep our commitment to know God. We need to be going deeper so that when we fill ourselves up with God, it can't help but spill over into the lives of the next generation. So if you've ever flown on an airplane, the flight attendant does her spiel, and you know by now I tune it out because I've heard it so many times, but they tell you in case of an emergency, put your own oxygen mask on first and then assist others. I think our faith is the same way. I think our journey with God is the same way. We need to fill ourselves up first before we can help others. So how do we do that? How do we know God better? I have a few thoughts I wanna share, and they may seem elementary, but I think they bear repeating. First, we need to be actively studying God's word. This one challenged me because right now I'm, I'm in school, I'm taking ministry classes, and I had to ask myself, am I studying God's word outside of what my curriculum says? We need to be actively studying God's word because we can't make disciples unless we know God's plan. The best place to meet him is in scripture where we, we learn of his character, his love, his promises. So many great things can be found in scripture. We can know God by spending time in conversation with him through prayer. He wants us to bring our delights, our fears, our hopes, our challenges, our struggles, our hurts, our pain. 
everything to him in intentional conversation, not only for ourselves, but for our children. I pray for my teenage boys. I pray that God would prepare godly wives for them as they step into their futures. And I pray for my adult children and stepchildren that they would know the hope and love and joy and freedom in Jesus Christ. I pray those things. We need to commit ourselves to a life of prayer. We can know God by spending time in solitude listening for his voice. And I'm a bit of a busybody, and my mind is filled with a million different things, and so this for me is really difficult. So what I need to do when I find those moments, my little trick is I sit still, and in my head I just repeat the words of Psalm 4610, which says, be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. And when I do it enough times over and over and over again, I find my mind emptied and God meets me in those moments. It's amazing what God can speak to you when you slow down long enough to listen. And I'll tell you that that Psalm 4610 works so much better than counting sheep when you can't sleep. We can also know God through authentic community. I think that's so important. We are wired to do life in relationship. We are wired to be together in community. Church is not just the four walls of this room. It's not the Sunday gatherings. It's all of you people. You guys are the church. I encourage you, find a ministry here that you can get passionate about and get plugged into. For me, Lord only knows why. It's preteens and teenagers, and I have chosen to step into the role of student ministry pastor to pour into our next generation. Find something you're passionate about. There are so many ways to get plugged in at Crosswinds. Join a small group. Do life with others in this community and get in the mess of their lives and do life together. Sign up for a small group. One-to-one -one discipleship. Maybe you don't like large groups. What a great way to grow your faith, to be intentional, is to get into a one-to-one -one discipleship relationship. If you're feeling like you want to get plugged in or you're maybe missing the mark on community, stop by Crosswind Central after service. Our welcome team would love to get you plugged in. Our children are wired from birth to know God and make him known, just as we are. But how are we going to teach them if we ourselves do not really know God? How can we teach our children to pursue God if we're not doing it ourselves? So then we, we jump ahead to verse 20 now in the passage, and it says, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I feel like this is a direct extension of those frontlets, right? We need to be reflecting God in all that we do. And I believe that needs to start at home. So I'm a product of Celebrate Recovery. I came to Crosswinds through Celebrate Recovery very broken. And I spent a lot of time healing in Celebrate Recovery, and I continue to do so. But I can remember countless times when I would hear testimonies, and people would talk about their families. And it would be almost as if it was one family and two personalities. They call this inside-outside family. You would leave the house and you'd be in your Sunday best and you'd look picture perfect and everything is great and you're all nice to each other. And then you get home and it's a totally different picture. Not reflecting the things of God. Inside-outside family. Making God known should start at home. Making God known should start at home. And we do this by reflecting God in all that we do. Here's a truth bomb. Our children... Our students, our youth, they watch what we do, and they model our behavior, the good and the bad, the good and the bad. So I ask you, as I asked myself when I prepared this, are you pursuing the things of God yourself so much so that it reflects in all that you do? 
Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you sitting still before God? Are you doing authentic community and relationship with others? If not, what are you waiting for? You can start today. Today's a perfect day to do that. Now, Betty's going to talk about the lasting effects these things can have, not only on you, but on generations to come. But Moses is calling us to be obedient in all these things. Does that mean life is going to be perfect at home? No. Parenting's messy. Relationships are messy. Life is messy. Remember what my own mom said. Motherhood is not to be taken lightly. Moses reminds us that we should be reflecting God's love in everything we do inside our homes and out. Write them on your doorpost and on your gates. I want to leave you this morning as I step off the platform with 1 John 4, 11 through 13, and this is what it says. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Let me just say thank you so much to Wendy. You know, Wendy and I met, and I said this first service, and I hope it didn't age us. We met over a decade ago. That's a long time, right? And uh, we've had this friendship that's been growing. And so we've had the opportunity to share what it means to raise our children and all the different stories and all the different, I love that we're wired differently and our kids are all wired differently. So it's a privilege to be able to share with Wendy um, this morning from the stage. You know, Wendy started us off this morning by sharing the importance of nurturing our own faith through those spiritual disciplines that she talked about and then being intentional, right? as we now make God known and we share what we have understood. We represent what we believe to our children and to the world around us. So we're going to continue now in that passage from Deuteronomy and consider what does that really look like in the lives of our children day to day today? How does our faith impact their future? Because we know that in the end, their faith is their own. But what does our faith do to influence what will become of theirs. So I'm going to ask you to consider for a moment, kind of as we've been talking about this role of parenting, because we take great effort in teaching our kids the lessons that we think that they need to know. Things about money and about relationships and about preparing for the future, all those things that we think will bring them future health and wellness or maybe success. I think the most significant lessons that we teach our children happen in those, again, those simple day-to-day in day in, day out life experiences. Let me share a couple examples with you. Maybe you'll resonate with these. The first time they're shopping with their own money, right? Your little one has done a chore or something and they have a whopping couple of dollars in their hand and it's exciting. And say, so they go to the store and what do they want? They don't want that little thing. They want this thing, right? They want that big thing, but they just don't have enough money. So we teach them the idea of budgeting, the idea of saving, right? The idea of what money means and what money can do, saving and choosing wisely. And when we drive together, we teach them the rules of the road, right? And then I thought, if we follow the rules of the road, we teach them the rules of the road. When we help them with their homework, we help them understand the importance of education. And then when we interact as a family, we teach them all about relationships, you know, how these relationships work, the ins and outs, um, the ways that we should interact with one another. And then eventually we begin to see the fruit of our labor. They get older and they get wiser. 
And then we start to celebrate some of the milestones that they achieve in their life. They get a job. They open their own bank account. They pass their driver's test. And I was thinking um, as I was listening to Wendy about those spiritual disciplines of prayer that are so necessary when they achieve that level, right? And then they graduate high school. Maybe they move on to college, taking what they've learned to pursue their own passions. We're all wired differently, right? My youngest um, two are on the track right now, right? And I'm reminded as I think about them of the hard work that they have both put in to leading up to their graduation and then heading off um, to the next step in their life. And then some of our kids get married and then they begin themselves to maneuver that delicate, that delicate transition from single to couple, from individual to working life together. So much learning has taken place and it's taken place decision to decision to decision to decision, day by day by day. But I think there are some milestones that we miss. And these milestones are invaluable in their relationship with God and in their own spiritual growth. What is the goal anyways, we must ask ourselves. We must ask ourselves if the lesson that we are teaching are making disciples for Jesus Christ. Are the lessons we teach our kids more than just some of those other things? Are they making disciples for Jesus Christ? So we're going to look back particularly at Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, part of our passage. And I'm going to ask you as we look back at that to remember what Wendy shared about the importance of our own spiritual growth, about observing God's commands and then being an example to others. So think about that. And then this is what the verse says. It's on the screen as well. It says, you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Day by day by day, the simple things of life. What are we teaching? Those key components of our faith. To love the Lord to keep his commands, to remember his greatness in our day-to-day lives. So how does this play out? What does it look like if we try to consider what that looks like in those simple moments of life? Well, consider this. We can teach our kids the rules of the road because it's second nature. We get in the car and we just drive. But am I intentional to make sure that my kids understand how to work their way through the pages of God's word? If I give them this scripture, is it second nature to them? Just like if I get in the car day after day. We can teach our kids algebra and calculus. And I stepped back because I thought, you can teach my kids algebra and calculus. I can't teach my kids algebra and calculus. My daughter, however, says it's common sense. So I don't know where that leaves me. But that's where I must depend on the professionals. I have to call other people in. And let me just take a moment to say thank you to the teachers in my child's life who have poured their heart and their soul into my kids, into your kids. I say that I need you, and I greatly appreciate all your hard work as well. So we teach our kids the importance of reading and writing and arithmetic. But have I taught them how prayer will be the key to them learning their true meaning and purpose in life? Have I done that? We can teach our kids that we love them no matter what, even at midnight, right? We can teach our kids that. We can teach them that they can call on us whenever they are in need. But have I taught them that their Father in heaven loves them even more, that he is even greater, and that he will never leave them or abandon them? Have I taught them that? Do they know that in the very depths of their soul? 
if I let them know that I will make mistakes, but God is infallible. The God that they worship is infallible. So I go back to that question. Have I taught my children about the greatness of God in everyday situations? When we sit and when we walk and when we lie down and when we rise, whatever it is that we're doing, am I making sure that he is at the forefront of our lives and our conversations? When they get their first job and open that first bank account, did I teach my kids what God's word says about how he will provide for their every need and to remember that their hope is not in their wallet and their hope is not in the size of their bank account? Did I teach them what it means to tithe? And did I celebrate the milestone the first time they gave all that change that they had collected, right? And they put it in one of those ministry boxes or mission boxes and they gave it to another. Did I celebrate that with them? In fact, did I show by my own example? Now, we may celebrate when our kids choose or if our kids choose to marry, but in the midst of relationships, did I celebrate the first time they openly forgave someone who had wronged them? That's a hard one, but an invaluable lesson in God's kingdom. Did I celebrate when they placed the needs of someone else above themselves? Did I teach them how to pray for other people? Did I celebrate that when they did? Did I let them know that I was proud of them not only for their accomplishments, but for their heart to share Jesus with somebody else? These are some of the invaluable lessons that we need to teach them. Did I teach them that the most important aspect of their life is what they know and believe about God? Do they believe that? Let me uh, give you a side on this note. I found a quote from a second grader in the business journal, right? She was asked to give some wise advice out there. And this is what she said. She said, it's what you think that makes you who you are. How profound. It's what you think that makes you who you are. So I go right back to asking myself that question. Did I teach my kids that the most important aspect of their life is what they know and believe about God? because it makes a difference in who they are. That little second grader, I don't believe, had any idea how profound her words would be. Now, these are tough questions. And I'm here to tell you that as I prepared for this today, I was very much challenged by them because I missed a lot. Does that mean that I completely missed the boat? No, of course it doesn't. There are times in my life when I did the very best that I could with what I knew. And there are many times when I reached out to others and ask for help because truly, even though our youngest kids, let's not go to teenagers because they have a different perspective, but our youngest kids still think we know everything, right? We don't. We don't. And we need others to help fill those spots that we miss. And then there are times, if I'm honest with you, when I just failed miserably. But it's a part of our growth as parents. It's a part of my growth as a parent because I'm learning on this path as well. It's in those moments, by the way, that I find comfort in Colossians 3.16, which tells me to let the word of God dwell in you or in me richly. That verse always reminds me not to live in the past mistakes, because they are there, we all have them. Don't live in the past mistakes, but rather dwell in God and his promises. Because God is in the business of restoration. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that comforting? If I live in what I wish I had done, I miss the opportunity today to dwell in his promise to restore. Those are promises that he provides. We will all make mistakes. But our response to those mistakes determines if we can use them to teach a good lesson in my own life and in the lives of those around me. So I hope it's an encouragement to all who have a chance to speak into the life of the child. 
We will not do it perfectly. And neither will our kids, by the way. But here's the thing. God already knew that. He already knew that, and he chose this role for you anyways. He knows the future. He knows the mistakes I will make, yet he chose this role for me anyways. He knew before he placed that child in your care and in my care that he had a plan because we have a God who restores. So let his promises, let the word of God dwell in you richly, day by day. God's word is our most important tool, right? We turn to that when we are in need of comfort or guidance or wisdom. And I think that um, when Paul was encouraging his protege, Timothy, he helped to express that very well. This is what he said. He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. In other words, Paul is telling Timothy, remember, you are not alone on this. God's word will guide you and his Holy Spirit will reveal the truth to you. Well, that is the same truth for us today. I have all I need and my children have all they need through his through God, through his word, and through his Holy Spirit to be fully equipped for whatever it is that their future holds. And I think about this, as long as their hands are loose to receive what he gives, as long as their minds are open to learn what he wants to teach them, and as long as their hearts are soft to follow him and be obedient to his ways. But then it begs me to ask the tougher question. Am I now willing to hold them loosely? and let God have his way? Am I willing to keep my mind open to help them discover their unique God-given talents? Each child is different. I encourage you to engage your children with their individual qualities and then praise God in the midst of it all. Finally, am I willing to soften my heart to where God leads them? Am I willing to adjust my plans for God's greater purpose for them? We got to start our children off knowing God in their everyday coming and going. And then we get the privilege to participate in helping them build that foundation in their life so that he will become an integral part of their heart and their soul and mind. So that he will become the filter they use in each decision and in each interaction. Each milestone will reflect him as they use what they know of God to make him known to others. Because the greatest lesson that I can leave them, right, is the one that I show them. The fruit of my dependence on God will be a reflection of their dependence on God. And it's so, so, so important. Which brings me to my next point. It's generational. Why do we need to make God known to the next generation? Let me go back to our Deuteronomy verse. Again, it'll be up on the screen. We're at 11 now, 21 to 23. Why is it important? so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. This last part of our passage today brings kind of the culmination to all we've been talking about. The future, the legacy, generation to generation to generation. The future is full of possibilities if we choose the right path to take. 
So how we respond in those day-to-day events shapes the character of our kids, which will carry on into the lives of their kids and their kids, and on and on. Now, when Moses was speaking this to the Israelites, I love the example that he used of this. Remember, they were only a couple of years on their journey to freedom when he shared this information with them. And, And when I think about this, their bondage lasted 400 years, and I was reminded as I just began to think about it, that's 100 years longer than we've been in the United States more than 100 years long. It's amazing to me to think how long they were in bondage, how much they had to learn. God knew what was ahead of them. He knew it would be a very long, hard journey for them. And without him, it would be impossible. And in the end, they would wander in the desert long enough for that younger generation to now grow up and be leaders for their community. How would this generation lead? Who would they call on? Would they obey God or would they self-destruct? Consider the implications of those words and that important message to the Israelites as they wandered the desert for that many years. Now we apply it to our own lives, right? We take what we have learned and we consider the implications today in our own lives. If we first commit our ways to the Lord, then teach those ways to our children and then share what we know with the world around us. What happens We go right back to the verse. Your days and the days of your children may be multiplied for as long as the heavens are above the earth. God instills life through the truth and hope of his word into the next generation. And he allows us to participate in his plan. That's amazing. What we believe can live on in the lives of our children if we teach it. What we know about God can become what our children and their children and their children know about God. If we believe it and if we live it, we view parenting differently when we are reminded that there is more than today at stake. We are truly missionaries in our home. I love this because it can often feel like we're in a foreign land, right? So thank you to moms for picking yourself up when you may have felt beaten down. Thank you for persevering through the tough times. Thank you for your unconditional love. Let me turn this around just a little bit. Moms, make sure you thank those who went the extra mile for your kids, the family and the friends and the teachers and the mentors, the small group leaders, and so many more because it is a privilege and it is a blessing to take part. So as we close, remember, parenting is a big job. Not for sissies, as Wendy taught us. Celebrate the joys. Know you will not be perfect. Acknowledge the need for others. And most importantly, know that we need God. And if you have yet to make that decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I, I, what, are, you know, what are we waiting for? It's the most important decision that you will make, and it will change your life. And remember, the effects are generational. It won't change only your life. It'll change generations to come. When we choose to apply this ancient passage to our lives today, it changes generations, which changes communities. And imagine the impact on our world. We obey God's word and we hold that door wide open for generations to come and receive his blessing as well. We're going to close with the song, The Blessing, today. And as you worship, consider the words of his blessing in your life. May his favor be upon you and your children. This song is, comes from the passage in Numbers 6, 24 and 27. I love that we're in the Old Testament this morning. Listen to this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
so shall they put my name, the Lord says, upon the people of Israel and upon us here today. And I will bless them, he says. Are we making disciples for Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord, we sang this morning that you are the great I am. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity, the privilege to pour into the life of our children, into the life of another, our children, our teachers, the mentors, all those who pour in, Lord. We just thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, that we are not alone in this, that your word gives us all that we need, guides us and directs us, and through your Holy Spirit, you give us understanding. You share with us the truth that we need to share with another. We are not alone. We have a community of believers around us, and we have you most importantly. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we lift up this to you, Lord, knowing that it is safe and complete in your almighty hands. In Jesus' name, amen.